0: All right, so we are so excited to welcome Sarah Kubrick, also known as Millennial Therapist on Instagram, for those of you who have probably seen her account and have been inspired. Um, She is a psychotherapist, consultant, PhD researcher, doctoral candidate, writer, and columnist for USA Today. So welcome, Sarah. We're so excited to have you.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. When we were like doing
2: research, we read on your website that you were born in Yugoslavia, sorry, and raised in Canada. And right now you're in Australia and you've lived in so many places. So I was just curious, like how, like being so cultured and well-traveled affected your like experience and perspective on the mental health industry and how like other countries tackle it as opposed to the U.S.
1: Yeah, that's such a great question. And so much flattery in there. I'm not going to go as far as being like uncultured. Um, But I I think traveling was a unique experience because it gets you out of your bubble. And I think, you know, every culture, every society, really any group you belong to, even if it's like I'm a uni student, has a unique perspective on mental health or um, a unique conversation on mental health. And so I think traveling around really got me to notice how universal <laughs> certain things are about humanity, which was really beautiful. And then he also got me to see some differences of, you know, how we approach being human. Um, and that was really unique for me. And I got to learn a lot about different cultures, but as you said, also about mental health and also about myself, which hopefully I think all informs me as a therapist today.
0: I was just scrolling through <laughs> Instagram and it cool. is so good. I mean, I was like resignating with almost every post on here. Um, and I'm sure so many others do too. Like I thought what was really interesting was, first of all, for, you know, I think in the world too, if you listen to a past podcast, like I think it's a thing of like toxic positivity of always being like, oh no, everything's fine. Like we're all good here, like positive vibes. And it's like, you're really <laughs> not. And you just want to talk about your problems. Um, So I love the post about invalidating your feelings can sound like, you know, it's not a big deal. I don't care or it doesn't bother me. So, or, you know, I need to get over it. Like to me, that's just so huge to realize like that is just invalidating your feelings. So like, what would you say to someone who does that often or like, why is that not a great way to handle your emotions?
1: Yeah, so I think the reason why I don't think it's super beneficial it's because it's, it's just saying whatever you're feeling doesn't matter, right? Like it's that invalidation piece. And if we don't validate something, if we don't accept something, creating change is really difficult. So unless you realize that you are in fact upset and that it is a big deal, <laughs> your actions are probably not going to match that reality. Mm-hmm. And A lot of the times we actually have to address what's upsetting us, and this is kind of a way of not just avoiding and numbing our feelings, but also probably avoiding the situation, the conflict, the pattern, the habit, and so I think it's really difficult to create or experience change if we're very unaware of what's happening for us and if we're doing it for other people which sometimes we do it's like no i'm fine because you don't want to upset the yeah. other person you're clearly not fine um i think it's important to realize that that relationship might suffer as a consequence sometimes we do things that are best intentions but if it's poor communication at the end of the day it's still poor communication yeah
0: and even to yourself because i feel like too it's like uh, you're not allowing yourself to feel that so you're just like i'm fine but it's like <laughs> are you you know are you are you <laughs> And it's like, yeah. why do you not feel fine? Like, why is it in the end? Like, rather than putting the Band-Aid over it.
1: Absolutely. And I think a lot of people will be like, oh, you know, I just, I feel a bit down or I feel a bit anxious. And they're like, and I have no idea why. And it, and usually boils down to well, like, you probably knew why, but at some point you ignored it for so long that now you might genuinely not know why. Um, you've tried to convince yourself that you were fine. And as you said, you just didn't really do the, deeper work of figuring out like what's actually wrong.
2: Could you give us some background on how you like took interest into the mental health industry initially in school and then with work? So I think
1: my love of psychology, um, stems from like really early childhood experiences. So as you know, I was born in the Balkans, but maybe people don't know just how (laughs) war ridden that area was in the nineties. Um, And so I survived two wars by the age of nine. And I think that got me really curious about humanity. I think it actually stemmed probably from a bit of a bitter place as a child. I mean, it really kind of steals your innocence. And um, I think I was very curious what makes people tick and why they do the things they do. And then that evolved in like, how can I help people that have suffered through things like this? So this is why trauma was my specialization in my master's. And um, so that's kind of where it comes from. I think I was always a bit curious seeing the worst of humanity as a child. Um, And then it evolved into love of humanity and just really wanting to help um, any way that I could. when it comes to the platform, that was very accidental at first. So I started to travel a lot. And I remember I was like in Tunisia at the time and my friends were all opening up private practices and whatever was working for them to like advertise or like you know, help their communities, I couldn't really do because I was bouncing around so much. And so I was like, how can I do the advocacy piece? How can I form a community that can be helpful? How can I, you know, have to start advertise, <laughs> um, in all honesty. And so I was just like, what, what can I do? And Instagram wasn't huge with text-based stuff then, like 2019. I don't think it really took off. And being a therapist on Insta wasn't like the hot thing it is today. Um, And so it was just kind of a leap of faith where I was like, you know what, I'm going to try. I'm going to write things that deeply resonate with me. I'm going to try to depict human experiences. And I gave myself like six months. I was like, you know, if, if people like it and if they find it helpful, I'll keep doing, if not, I'll stop. And I think my goal the first year was to get like 5,000 followers. Um, and, um, yeah. And then it kind of just took off from there.
0: That's so cool.
1: That's so interesting
0: too, that you dove into this field too, being in like growing up around two wars and like, you know, that is just happening right now. So it just shows that like, you know, you are, you know, helping people and that's, Unfortunately, something that is just going to, you know, happen in this world. So it's great that you can, you know, be there to sort of help in the ways that you can.
2: Thank you. So sweet. Not to get too personal, but just out of curiosity, do you try to like limit the news that you consume with like recent war events, just because it's probably like triggering?
1: I mean, with war stuff, usually yes, a little bit. Yeah. Um, I also think that there's just so much negativity in the media right now. <laughs> it's yeah. Not even every more. Day. Like, the last two Anything. years has been so heavy um, yeah. that yeah. I like to keep myself informed, but at this point, not over involved just for like my own mental health. And I think, you yeah. know, also my job can be quite demanding in a very positive way, but it's very emotionally demanding. And so I think it's just finding those boundaries and, um, and limiting the negativity that I consume without being, you know, disconnected or unaware of what's happening in the world. Um, yeah, still learning yeah. to strike that balance.
0: So now that we've driven a little bit into the, that just brought, brought it to my attention of just like the stress that's gone on with just being in the pandemic the past two years. And although now we're getting a little bit more social interactions in, um, a lot of us are still working from home and this just came to me. so. And I don't know, you notice like a trend of like that affect people's mental health or like, you know, how big of like an impact I feel like that does make of just like being home all the time, computer, like doing calls and then like your day's over, (laughs) go to work the next day. And then you have like, you know, it's like all of a sudden you're like, wow, I'm home a lot. So I was just curious (laughs) if you have any thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, so many. Um, I think it also depends on the person's personality in the first place. I think introverts probably didn't experience it you know, as badly or as a bad experience as much as the extroverts did. Um, but I do find that people are becoming I'll to positives and negatives. I find yeah, that people are becoming more introspective. I think you're kind of just stuck with yourself. <laughs> I think people are trying yes. to be a bit more creative doing things, which is really fantastic. And I think there's trying to focus more on who they are and relationships have somewhat become a priority. I think we've kind of, as a society realized that a lot of things can be taken away from us, mm-hmm. yeah. um, including relationships, but relationships seem a bit more stable, or there's the more like anxiety induced approach of like, even people can leave. So let me really enjoy my time with them. Cause you never know what next day will bring. So I think a lot more intentionality has kind of percolated and a lot more, you know, people are noticing their mental health is suffering because it's really hard to avoid it when you're by yourself or at home all day. And so they are taking some, you know, steps towards that. But I think The negative side of it is people are incredibly lonely. I think people are really disconnected. I don't think social media will ever replace human interaction. I think people are feeling hopeless and helpless that this will never end or that, you know, we we are not really sure what life will be like in the next, you know, five years. And the primary thing I'm really noticing in 2022 is burnout. Yeah. Just so much. People are just so done. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think what makes it hard is that there's no end point Um, There's no like recovery that they're looking forward to. And so I I think burnout is a really huge one.
2: Have you seen both like positive and negative effects with like social media as well? Yeah.
1: For sure. So I think social media has started to destigmatize mental health. I think a lot of conversations are started. I think a lot of people were experiencing things they didn't necessarily have language for or thought they were really alone that no one else experienced it. So I think it was super helpful for things like that. Um, the negative. Yeah. <laughs> is I, I do think that people are misinformed. I do think that people are using the wrong vocabulary. And I do think that there's a lot of trends of like oversharing um Mm. where you know vulnerability becomes really detrimental not just to them but to those that were like just scrolling and they heard the most like triggering or horrifying story that probably should not have been on social media in the first place and so I I do think that we have kind of two extremes happening right now and that's because it's such a hot topic um that it's just natural progression of things where people are kind of overcompensating and not sure what to do with this new freedom and topic and so I do think there's a bit of harm being done right now with, um, regards to mental health and social media.
2: Yeah. And sometimes it helps when I like think about what I'm looking at. And so when I'm like, Oh, I'm looking at every person that I've ever met my entire life, like their life updates, maybe like, I don't need to like, you know, or like I'm on Twitter and I'm hearing everyone's opinion about one topic when like our parents and our grandparents, like just didn't have that exposure. And so it's like, good to know when like taking a break from it you know
1: oh I love that and if you're just talking about like general benefits and like yeah you know, risks of of social media, you know, you're looking at very curated things and we forget that we think this is like people's everyday lives. And it's like, this is still curated content and you won't understand the entirety of someone's experience or what they're actually going through. And so, you know, it's not real as much as we want to be like, this is so raw, so real. Most of it is really not. And we need to keep that in mind. I know.
0: Like, even if you think about too, like, know i mean i'll just like go say you're like out and you just like post a photo with your friends and you have a little like drink you know the classic clinking of the glass
2: (laughs) but it's like
0: it doesn't stop there it's like well i might as well throw on like a cute filter for it like you know and even it's like even though that is happening in real life but then you're like curating you're taking a couple shots you're throwing on a filter it's like although that moment was real
1: you also yeah. like, made it so unreal at the same that's time. true. Which is just so yeah. I love that. Yeah. yeah, and also we kind of started doing things for Instagram. It's like I'm gonna yeah. order that drink because that would be cute for the picture. I'm gonna wear that top instead of my sweatpants because, like, maybe it's a picture-worthy moment. Yeah. And that's also kind of funny how now social media has started to curate our real life of like I'm not dressing the way maybe I want to dress or how my body's feeling I'm actually just doing something that I think will present well
2: mm-hmm. yeah that's so cool. and also it's very cruel to like compare your whole life up and down to like someone else's highlight real like we gotta stop doing that
0: <laughs> we
1: gotta stop doing that it's yeah. yeah it's so bad
0: here's another one too um so for me I'm like a <laughs> this is what I've always been a worst case scenario kind of gal so like if I have anxiety it's like oh, I'm, you know, it's sort of like the straightener being left on scenario where you think uh, you the straightener on, but like, then you imagine your house is burning down, you know, but this happens to me in like so many scenarios. And it's like, I know that I like need to get reassurance. I'm like, can you just confirm that that's not happening? But like, I know in my head, it's like, that's anxiety, but like, it's like, I'm just curious, like why we do this or like, you know, why we feel like we need that like reassurance aspect. So you don't like, Go to worst case scenario. Does that make sense at all?
1: No, of course it makes sense. I think why we do this may vary from person to person, but I think why we need reassurance is because we need someone to tell us that it's going to be okay and that yeah. It's a safety thing. Like we need someone to tell us like your universe, your existence, your house, you are going to be okay and you're going to be safe. And I think sometimes we need that reassurance because we don't have enough self-trust to listen when we say it to ourselves. Mm. So it's kind of like, can I trust myself that I did this very important thing, such as like turning off my stove or my yeah. Um, And if the answer is no, or if you can't trust that, you know, for the 50 times you were worried every time you actually turned it off you're not going to have enough trust to be like, I really believe that I was capable and did this. And so it's a weird maybe example to use uh, on my end, but um, I do think it's maybe lack of self-trust and then needing that safety and needing people to reaffirm us because when we validate, we're not super used to it or maybe just doesn't hold as much wait and so that's yeah. something definitely to you know work on um yeah. but it could be a moment of like freaking out too which is just so normal i know yeah i
0: know it's like funny because i'm like it sometimes could be the most you know minor things and i'm like no i'm sure the worst thing could possibly happen and I'm like, <laughs> this is worst case scenario aka i know this is anxiety because that's usually what it leads to yeah. but it's just an interesting thing yeah so- yeah. Right. It's yeah. super
1: interesting, especially when indi- individuals that are used to worst case things actually happening. Right. And then it's hard to be like, well, that's just anxiety because they're like, well, I also have proof. <laughs> so right. I think, you know, there are some people where bad things actually do happen. They're like, oh my God, always the worst thing happens. And so right. then it's even more difficult to decipher, like, is it just anxiety based on bad things happening? Or like, is it an intuition thing at this point? So right. I guess it's working.
0: Yeah, I'll try the trusting myself thing because
1: I mean, you know. Yeah, give that a try. I think that'll be really helpful in general. (laughs) Yeah,
2: (laughs) and I'll do the same thing. And I, my therapist has said it's because like your body's trying to like defend yourself and protect yourself from like, if somebody's gonna like, like if you're gonna lose your job, like whatever the worst case is, you're like, I'm gonna focus on worst case scenario to prepare myself but like you're really just suffering twice and like your thoughts are not the reality of the situation like it's so wild to me that we do this
1: (laughs) it's such a weird protective thing where you're like hey body, can you protect me a little more because this is like not working for me (laughs) and it's true it's like preparing for the worst it's like they didn't text me back they're gonna break up with you and then you're like thinking of like what you're going to do, they break up with you, what you're going <laughs> to say, what ice cream you're going to eat, who you're going to date next. And it's like this whole scenario. And it's just like really unnecessary. Um, and so I always tell clients, like focus on the facts. And if that yes, becomes okay. a fact, then focus on that and work. Time, it but said, Suffering twice is just so unnecessary.
2: <laughs> yes,
1: absolutely. Love that.
2: With intrusive thoughts, like how that is such a correlation to anxiety. I guess that kind of has to do with what we're talking about, but do you have um, like a mindset or or a way to combat that that you usually tell people?
1: Yeah, so it really, again, depends on the context, but I do find the intrusive thoughts are a bit like children, meaning that the more you ignore them, the louder they'll get until they finally throw a tantrum Mm. and maybe they'll become a bit more frequent and a bit louder and a bit more difficult to shake. (laughs) Not that that's what you should do with children, but that's that's the metaphor here. <laughs> um, and so what I would really suggest is just observing it. I think we're so scared of it that if we actually face it, we're going to be consumed by it. But I actually think oftentimes it's the opposite.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: observe what it is, distinguish it from reality. So I love what you said. So really go like, this is this is what's happening. This is my thought. Is there any proof in reality that would say like, this is actually true or not. So try to distinguish it from reality. Um, try to figure out what the, tr- you know, what is it's trying to say. I am always very curious about anxiety when I work with anxiety and I used to really struggle with anxiety myself, like uh, a while back. <laughs> I feel so old. A long time ago. Um, and I think sometimes it's really helpful to go, okay, what is it trying to say? What is the message coming out? Maybe it's coming out in a very you know, unpleasant way, but oftentimes it is trying to say something. And so I think the quicker we figure out what it's trying to say, then we can actually address that need yeah, or make that change. Um, and of course, this is not the case for everyone that suffers from anxiety. I think it, it depends why you're suffering from anxiety. Um, and then identify the trigger. I think that's really helpful as well. Because
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. then you're problem. aware of it. Yeah.
1: And you're aware of it. And, and you can try to, you know, not put yourself in that situation, but also you can go, oh, I just got triggered. This is a normal response. I'm going to be okay. I'm just going to ride this one out. Yeah. Um, and so I think those things are, I guess, the tips that I can offer. But it's really about encountering, listening, and then trying to, you know, work through it rather than suppress it, ignore it, shush it. Um, Cause I don't think that that's super helpful, and especially not in the long run.
2: And I like that you said, I used to struggle with anxiety because I think when we say I have anxiety or I identify with it, like it becomes a part of you, you know?
1: Yeah, for sure. And it was such a big part of me and I like, I'm so I'm so glad it's not, <laughs> Yeah. so I'm very like, you know, it's like, and, and this gives me also hope, I guess, for the clients that I work with. But no, you're so- giving us hope. <laughs> oh, good. I'm so glad. But really now it's like that distant memory that I'm like, okay, you stay there. <laughs> right. I will right. take my lessons with me, but you, you chill out. <laughs> yeah.
2: So with like, was it like lifestyle changes and like therapeutic approaches that you yeah. could think? Yeah.
1: Both. Um, I made yeah. a lot of changes in my life um I was gonna be like in my new book uh no I actually do talk about this
2: no you (laughs) Um, should tell us we were gonna ask what recent projects you have so this is good timing
1: there you go it's my first book which I'm really excited about it comes out next year and it's not about anxiety it's actually about the self uh and self-loss so about how to figure out who you are and how we lose that person um, but anxiety was part of my own story and so mm-hmm. I think I talk a little more in depth of like what that was like for me and it was a, like actual hell and I also had panic attacks so it was a bit more intense um, but I think for me it was just making really important life changes and then also therapy so it was just the combination of two uh, but I don't honestly think therapy would have done anything if I didn't implement the changes so like I, yeah. I had to actually change a lot of things in my life and so I think it was that golden combination of of the two
0: this is also like side note I'm just like thinking because um do you think like I mean sometimes I ask questions but like kind of know the answers to them but I just like to hear it from someone who might know <laughs> is this anxiety bit.
1: too or you need reassurance <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: probably <laughs> but like like a healthy diet or like processed yeah. food and yeah. stuff like do you notice like oftentimes that is like a you know big correlation or is that just again like specific to
1: a person like you never know I'm just curious pretty big correlation um yeah when I talk about like the changes I made I was also like leave relationships and change friendships and things but it was also diet so like I for a year I stopped eating sugar Mm -hmm. and I cut out any caffeine um, of all kinds. Caffeine is a huge one. I think we need to talk about it more because I'll see people like holding their cup of coffee and be like, I'm so anxious. It's like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yes. that yeah. is what coffee does. And so I think we underestimate how much our diet impacts us. Another thing that used to trigger me a lot, which my therapist told me about, and I'm not even sure, like apples. Oh. Apples is something I cut out of my diet. And, um, so it was very interesting, but I had a pretty strict, like I was very, no alcohol, no sugar, no caffeine, no apples. And there was probably something else. And so I just figured out what was also triggering me in my diet and it made a huge difference. And even till like now, I usually just will have decaf. I can yeah. have caffeine, it won't trigger, but like, I feel like this excess yeah. energy that I just don't need in my life or nervousness. Yeah. And so I still, to this day, don't really drink caffeine very much.
0: That's so interesting because did you um, ever incorporate anything else back or are you still kind of like no apples just because it's like an easy oh, thing? Oh, no, no, no. I,
1: I love my apples. I definitely <laughs> eat apples I, I and I start eating sugar. I mean, everything I came back except caffeine, but I do try to limit... Um, I almost feel like at that time I was really sensitive and I was kind of, it didn't take much to push me into anxiety and these things did that. I don't think they would have just done it for no reason. Like right now I can have all these things and it won't do very much. Uh, but, or anything, but mm-hmm. I, because they're not great things to have in your diet for me personally, anyways, I don't feel great when I'm like eating a bucket of ice cream or like totally. having yeah. copies a day. that like, it was kind of a nice detox. And then I didn't really have that desire afterwards to go heavy into it. Yeah. Right. That makes sense.
0: Cause yeah, like once you kind of got to like the root of everything, it's like you, it's easier to like incorporate them back, you know, little by little in a healthy way. Yeah but in a very well, healthy,
1: moderate kind of, yeah,
0: you can enjoy it. Cause like life. you have to enjoy life. You know, sometimes you're going to run into like going to have a dessert when you're traveling somewhere oh, new. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, when I'm in impar- I mean, come on guys, of course. When you're in <laughs> do you have the macaroons that you're going to I have some macaroons. Yes. I actually love sugar in general. And yeah. It's a really big thing for me. Um, I try to limit it just because sugar isn't that great for my body uh personally that's my experience but like yeah. none of it is dictated by by anxiety anymore so there's hope if yeah. you do yeah. need to cut out caffeine for a little while you can always come back to it if you really want to
2: <laughs> also right. um i i know we said last question but i'm just so curious like with your big platform like do you have an overwhelming amount of like requests for people to have you be their therapist that you're like uh, sorry i can only have so many clients <laughs>
1: yes yeah <laughs> Um, there is quite a few, I actually do think like the bigger the platform gets sometimes the, like the requests are tapering off a little bit. Cause I think people oh, just assume now that like, I wouldn't, yeah. but there's still a st- steady stream. And I do really wish that that was the case where I could take everyone on. Yeah. Um, uh, but right now I'm not taking on new clients, but yeah. maybe in the future. And I'm always like, you know what, if I am, you can be on my waiting list. And if not, then, um, you know, I'll announce it on Instagram stories if I'm like, "Yeah, I ah, have more space. and then, yeah, can, yeah, awesome. awesome. Well,
0: I love your account. I'm excited oh, for please. your book. Oh, um, he's yeah. very nice so he's just uh, a rescue,
2: so he's anxious, Sarah. Don't
0: uh, worry. He could use your help. <laughs> love yeah. all right. well, Sarah, this was so nice having you on. I feel like I already learned so much, and I'm sure our listeners will as well. Um, so everyone go follow our account but before we go can you share what your account name is so the people can follow you on social etc
1: amazing thank you so much for having me such a lovely chat I love meeting you both Um, so my Instagram handle is millennial.therapist and then on Twitter and Facebook I'm on there I'm not as active and it's just my name which is Sarah Kubrick so if you want to follow you can't
0: Perfect. All right. Well, thank okay, you so thank much. Thank
2: you so much, Sarah. You're the best. We really appreciate you. No, thank you so much. And please
1: tag me let me know when it's yes. out and I'll put it on my account. Perfect.
0: Okay, cool. thank you have so a good much. day because I know you're just taking
1: yeah. off your day. Go so. enjoy Australia. We're jealous. <laughs> thank you so much <laughs> and have a good evening. Thank right, you, you so much. <laughs> Bye. Bye.